this morning, ultimately, really what I want to talk about, guys, is we're in Ecclesiastes 5, verses 8 through 20, is contentment. Is being grateful for what you have instead of having a continual drive for more. And um, there is a butterfly that when is a caterpillar, he feeds off of a certain leaf he attaches to and waits for an encounter with a certain type of ant that loves the sweet fluid, the sweet nectar that is emitted from this caterpillar. Matter of fact, loves it so much that sends a signal back to the ant nest and a bunch of ants come and carry the caterpillar back to the nest where they feed on the fluid that the caterpillar excretes. But what does a caterpillar feed on? Well, he feeds on baby ants till it becomes a butterfly and flies away. There are some people out there that get caught up in the sweet nectar of stuff and accumulating but what they don't realize is that in that process, they sacrifice their family, their friends, and their future so often. And uh, there was a poll several years ago that was frightening that I, I believe shows how people get confused, treasures and pleasures. And quite frankly, there is a difference at times. You can have a pleasure that appears to be a treasure, but it's not. Um, here's what people said they would do at least one or more of these things for 10 million bucks. <laughs> Two-thirds of Americans agreed to at least one of these. 25% would abandon their family. 25% would abandon their church. 23% would become prostitutes for a week. 16% would give up their American citizenships. 16% would leave their spouses. Ten percent would withhold testimony and let a murderer go free. Seven percent would kill a stranger and three percent would put up their children for adoption. Oh, chasing after what appears to be a treasure but really is a fleeting pleasure. And, and you, we don't want to get these mixed up. And as we look at this section of Scripture, we're going to focus in on what really counts. What brings lasting contentment. But turn with me to Ecclesiastes 5. We're going to look at verses 8 through 20 and ask when you find that if you'll stand in God's honor as I read the Scripture aloud. If you see the poor oppressed in a district and justice and rights denied, do not be surprised at such things. For one official is eyed by a higher one and over them both are others higher still. The increase from the land is taken by all. The king himself profits from the fields. Whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owner except to feast his eyes on them? The sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether he eats little or much. But the abundance of a rich man permits him no sleep. I have seen a grievous evil under the sun, wealth hoarded to the harm of its owner, or wealth lost through some misfortune, so that when he has a son, there's nothing left for him. Naked a man comes from the mother's womb, and as he comes, so he departs. He takes nothing from his labor that he can carry in his hand. 
This too is a grievous evil. As a man comes, so he departs. And what does he gain since he toils for the wind? All his days he eats in darkness with great frustration, affliction, and anger. Then I realize that it's good and proper for a man to eat and drink and to find satisfaction in his toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given him. For this is his lot. Moreover, when God gives any man wealth and possessions and enables him to enjoy them, to accept his lot and be happy in his work, this is a gift of God. He seldom reflects on the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with gladness of heart. Spring. Okay, Master, we're kids that often get confused. We confuse treasures with pleasures, and those pleasures consume us, and then we lose our treasures. God, speak to us this morning. Remind us what is valuable and what is not. Uh, Father, speak to our hearts. Uh, Lord, unless you speak, then I basically just dribble, and uh, I pray that would not be the case. I pray your Spirit might uh, speak to our hearts, God, that your Holy Spirit might teach us what He wants to teach us, and that we might listen and be changed. And God, we're counting on you to do this, Lord, because we need to hear a message from you, God. So have your way, Lord, and uh, we just trust you to work. And thank you for thus far allowing us to enter into a time of worship before you, because you are the audience. You're the one that deserves our full attention, and we love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Heard a story of a guy who loved gold. He inherited a bunch of money, and he was so happy. He was so happy that he went to his bedroom and he painted his walls gold. And he got a gold bedspread. And he bought gold carpet. And uh, curtains were gold. I mean, everything was gold. Then he got sick, guys. He got a, he got a disease and he got jaundice. So, you know, and even he turned a sickly type of yellow. Well, uh, a doctor came over to see him. He was up in his bed upstairs in his room. His wife said, you know, you go up there, the bedroom's on the right, once you get to the top of the stairs. Goes up there, stays a few minutes, comes back down, and his wife says, well, what'd you discover? What's wrong with him? And the doctor says, well, I don't know, I couldn't find him. Some people, in their pursuit of gold, in their pursuit of wealth, in their acquiring more, in seeking satisfaction in the journey and of getting more, man, they, they, they become totally filled with that quest and miss out. We hear this from Solomon, and as he writes, guys, what a perspective. This was a guy who was wealthy in terms that are beyond my imagination. His annual income of gold, as we study in the scriptures here, was $20 million. Imagine getting $20 million bucks a year in gold. And he liked gold. As you read in here, um, you read that he had uh, a gold throne, a throne that was covered in gold. 
He didn't have silverware. He had goldware, as his um, stuff was covered in gold. His shields were bronze, but they were covered in gold. Even his chariot, made of the finest wood, is covered in gold. He had an affection for gold. He knew what gold was about. He loved gold. (laughs) But he also talked about what can happen when that love for gold becomes the consuming quest. Billy Graham uh, once said, If a person gets his attitude toward money straight, it will straighten out most every other attitude. Now, let's look at the scripture here in verse 8 of Ecclesiastes 5. He says, if, if you see the poor oppressed in a district, injustice and rights denied, do not be surprised at such things, for one official is eyed by a higher one, and over them both are others higher still. The increase from the land is taken by all. The king himself profits from the fields. Here's a guy that's rich. Here's a guy that's had ample opportunity first grade type education, unlimited resources, a decision maker. He's got a great horde of others to help him. And as he looks out, he looks at the oppressed. He makes a statement about leaders, how often leaders who have all of this, there is corruption. And there are those who are poor and they they cry out. You know, it made me think of Proverbs 21.13. That says, if you shut your ears to the cry of the poor, you too will cry out and not be answered. He says, guys, don't get so busy in the daily grind that you don't see those who are hurting. In your quest for more, don't forget those who have less. And that's not so hard to do. It happens. As a matter of fact, as you look at God's original plan for government, he had a theocracy. He was in charge. And as you look at the Old Testament, they cared about the people who had little. Remember, it talked about those who had crops in their fields. Those who were poor could come and glean from those crops of what was left over they could take. Remember in the book of Ruth, where Ruth was able to glean from the fields so there was, it was an idea of noticing the poor. Uh, matter of fact, looking at this text here, these few verses, just a couple of truths. And I want you to, uh, to turn with me to Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 through 38. And I want to make mention of how Jesus also illustrates how we're to notice those who are less fortunate. 936 through 38. In verse 8 of Ecclesiastes, I just read, it says, If you see the poor oppressed. First, guys, God says, Will you stop and look? Stop and look. Thought of Jesus, man. He he stopped and looked. Look at Matthew 936. It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That's Jesus, man. 
Jesus didn't just look, He saw. Jesus didn't just go, He observed. He saw those who were hurting that were around Him. And guys, there are people, I never cease to be amazed at how many people are hurting. God wants us to be compassionate. I just mentioned in my Sunday school class just just a, a few families, friends of ours. Uh, one family they've been having some difficulties with their eighteen year old son, and he's moved out, and there's just some discord, and it just breaks my heart. Another family, their sixteen uh, year old son has a liver disease, and you know they're just really struggling, hoping he won't have to have a liver transplant. Uh, another eighteen, nineteen year old girl that we know. She's left home uh, with a guy and moved out, and family often do not know where she is. Last time I heard from was Christmas Eve. I mean, there are people who are, and they're all around us, but so often we just don't stop and see them. And Jesus, he, he stopped and he saw the crowd. Guys, I pray that God does that in my heart and in your heart, that we as a Kingsway crowd would not be too busy to just stop and notice. Uh, number two, respond to it rather than react to it. As you look here in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, as he saw the crowd, he didn't just react to it. He talked about a heart to respond. And Jesus also, in Matthew 9.35, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. You know what, guys? I looked at that and I thought, Jesus didn't just say, well, those people are hurting but he taught the truth and he touched the people. I think he still calls us to do that. We got to be people of the truth and we got to be willing to touch people who are hurting. That's, you know, and, and as Solomon looks out, he, he says, don't miss that. And, and then one more thing here in Matthew 9. So often, guys, our touch, it just is inadequate. The need is so great. So he calls us to pray. Notice what Jesus said in verse 37, 38. He says, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And, and we can't miss that. God says, hey, cry out to me for this need to be met. Ask me to send people to help. People that can do what you can't do. Care. Have a compassion. Get involved. And that brings us to the third thing that's back in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verses 8 and 9. It talks about officials. Man, I know we have a, a government that's flawed. Every government is. But we should not elect to be totally uninvolved. In, in our system, we should vote. Guys, we should find out about the candidates that are running, and we should be faithful to fulfill that obligation. God calls us to that. All right, let's get back to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. I want to move on to verse 10. Verse 10, he says, Whoever loves money never has enough. Money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. Prosperity by itself will never meet our deepest need. I used to joke about my grandfather who actually never got to meet. He died before I came on the scene. But uh, you to hear my dad tell stories about my grandfather. I wish I could have known him. It sounds like he was a lot of fun. He used to love to say, 
I'm not greedy. All I want is my land and what adjoins it. Man, that's the heart of greed. Enough is never enough. Got to have more. And you know, as you look in the Bible, there were people in the Scriptures who had money that God blessed. There was Abraham. It was interesting as I looked at Abraham, you count out 318 people who worked and served Abraham. God blessed him, not just with money, but with people to serve and to help him. And then, of course, there's Job. And I know Job lost a lot, but if you read the end of the story, he ended up with a lot more than he started with. God blessed, and God does bless people. Money is not what is evil. It says it's the love of money. It's the pursuit of money above all else. And then there was Joseph. Remember, Joseph was raised up to a place of high power and authority, and, and he was wealthy. God blessed him. You can have it. And have him and be his. And that, that's the point there, guys. Uh, Deuteronomy 8.18. I don't know if you are familiar with this verse, but what a great verse. It says, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. And he gives you the ability to get out of bed he gets you the ability to work. As a friend of mine says, I say so often, he says, man, if you're doing, if you're vertical, you're doing great. If you got your health and, and you can work, God says, work is unto the Lord. Cause it's a way of worship. You can worship by being a hard worker. Uh, matter of fact, this is Proverbs 14.23. All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. I love this quote by the guy who founded Holiday Inn, Kimmins Wilson. He said, if you want to be successful, all you have to do is work half a day every day. It doesn't matter which 12 hours. Hard work. I um, also read about a guy that was in a taxi in Las Vegas and was talking to a taxi cab driver, and the, and the taxi cab driver said, you know, only 2% of the people that come here to gamble come away with a profit. So 98% of the people is what keep this place going, what keeps the economy going here. So easy in a pursuit of wealth to lose instead of to gain. Coming from a guy who gets $20 million a year in gold. <laughs> Notice uh, as we go on, verse 11, he says, As goods increase, so do those who consume them. <laughs> and what benefit are they the owner except to feast his eyes on them? In other words, you get money, you get friends. Friends you didn't know you had. It's kind of funny, in Sunday school we talked about some of these same issues in Ecclesiastes. Friends, relatives, people you didn't know existed, suddenly they're there. You know, kind of like when you cut the light on, here come the bugs. Well, here come the bugs when they see the money, the light of money. To consume that money, and so many people that get the money end up without the money. John D. Rockefeller, he, in his day, he was the only billionaire. And was he content? No, he was a sick man. He actually lived on a diet consisting of milk and crackers because he was so worried about losing what he had. That it ruined his health. Just remember, if you have a lot of stuff, the stuff will break. The stuff will break. All right, uh, 
Productivity may ruin us. Verse 13, 14. I've seen a grievous evil under the sun. Wealth hoarded to the harm of its owner or wealth lost through some misfortune so that when he is a son, there is nothing left for him. It can be gone in a blink. Someone has said that money is a good servant but a poor master. Paul wrote these words of Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, 9, and 10. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and to many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. The more you have, the more you have to lose. The ones who lose the most are the most depressed. No, I, I read about a robbery that occurred in London a number of years ago. They got away with $7 million. Part of what they got away with was a box that was filled with jewelry. And later they talked to the woman who that belonged to. It had a half a million dollars worth of jewelry in that box. And when they interviewed her, she said, I have lost this wonderful jewelry. I have lost everything. Everything of value is what she considered was in that box. And now it was gone. He speaks of another box. Uh, look at, start in verse 13. Naked a man comes from his mother's womb, and as he comes, so he departs. He takes nothing from his labor that he can carry in his hand. This too is a grievous evil. As a man comes, so he departs. What's he gained since he toils for the wind? All his days he eats in darkness with great frustration, affliction, anger. Here lies a person who saved it all, but now has no need for it. <laughs> Brought nothing in the world, will take nothing out of it. Money goes oh so quickly, guys. Proverbs 23, 4 and 5. Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Have the wisdom to show restraint. Cast but a glance at riches and they're gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an e eagle. Some people say money talks. To me, all I hear it say is goodbye. <laughs> now, let's get these last couple of verses. He talks about the importance of priority that will protect and preserve us from this trap. He says, Then I realized it's good and proper for a man to eat and drink, find satisfaction as toilsome labor into the sun during the few days of life. God's given him for this is his lot. Moreover, when God gives any man wealth, possessions, enables him to enjoy them, to accept his lot, be happy in his work, this is a gift of God. He seldom reflects on the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with gladness of heart. You know, he's saying he realized you need to stop and take the time to smell the flowers, to enjoy life, to laugh. You know, I think sometimes what a great gift laughter is. Just quite frankly, just to have a good time. <laughs> I've had times, I remember one time uh, when I was in college, this one friend of mine, he, he was kind of short, so he had a complex. You know, he had that little man complex. Man, he was always bragging, always just driving us all crazy. He, he was like that little chihuahua, you know, yip, 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 all that time. And he decided we were playing basketball and just free time with some different people. And there was this one girl, and 
She's a pretty good player, but this little guy, he comes in to drive, and he's talking trash. Well, this girl comes out of nowhere and blocks him. And I got so tickled, I started crying. And I, I got down there laying down on the court. I didn't think I was going to get back up, guys. That was one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. He probably didn't think it was so funny at the time. But take time to enjoy those moments. Take time to see the blessings that God has given you. Don't spend all your time wanting more, acquiring more, searching for something else. Stop and realize what you have. You see, happiness is not found just merely in what you have. It's found in who you are. In whose you are. A child of God. Saved by His grace. Safe in His arms. Secure. Sealed by the Holy Spirit till the day of redemption. And when you have that and you're living for the Lord, He brings people in your life that love you. And then you're rich. Then you have treasure instead of just pleasure. It fades away. You have treasure that lasts. And God calls us to be content, to seek and to trust Him. And not to complain. I mean, let's face it. Do you know anybody that really likes a chronic complainer? I don't. Oh, man. I think I told you guys a story that... Uh, oh, I know I have because one of my favorites. There was a lady in one church where we served who complained about everything. She's the most negative person I have ever met in my life. And I used to play a game. I would go visit her and my entire objective was to get her to say something positive. To get her to say something uh, of that was good. I never achieved it. And I would go, and I remember one day I knocked on her door. And she came to the door. She said, you won't believe what's happened now, Pastor. And I said, what? What's wrong? She said, well, she said, they stopped sending my social security check because they said I'm dead. And she said, so I got on the phone and I called them and I said, I'm not dead. You better send me my check. She, she, boy, she was going on. And I, you know, man, that's not the way to live. Do you know what it says when we constantly complain? We're called sheep, and what it says is, I don't trust the shepherd. Now, let's just be straight on this, guys. Whether we realize it or not, when we become so petrified by our worry, and when we constantly complain, we're saying, I don't trust the shepherd. Jesus, I don't think you really fully love me. Jesus, I don't think you understand me. We need to stop and think about that, guys, because it's clear from the Scriptures He does love you. He loves you completely. He loves you fully. And He wants you to know it. And the person who walks contently regardless of what he faces, that is a great testimony. Speaks volumes. Speaks so loudly. Um, get near the end here. Hebrews thirteen five and 6. I encourage you to turn there with me. Uh, what a great section of, of Scripture. He says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man 
do to me. You see that? He said, instead of making money your ultimate pursuit, he says, remember, remember that God has blessed you. Enjoy those blessings. Rest in those blessings. Think of those blessings. Because God said, I'm not going to desert you. I won't forsake you. I'm your helper. You don't have to live in fear. What a blessing. You see, as I come to the end of this thing, I, I guess it can be summed up in God says, be content because you can trust me. As, as I close, I want to close with one of my um, favorite writings I don't know, I discovered years ago. This was actually found on the body of a dead Confederate soldier. And here's, here's the note that they discovered. I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn humbly to obey. I asked God for health that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better, th better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing that I asked for, but everything I had hoped for. Almost despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered. I am among men most richly blessed. Let's pray. Lord, forgive us for forgetting that you love us, Lord. Forgive us, Father, for when we forget. Lord, when we pursue what is passing instead of what is lasting. When we become focused on a pleasure instead of a true treasure. And God, I just pray this morning to begin with the ultimate treasure, the treasure of life that lasts forever that was one on an old wooden cross as our Lord Jesus hung there, as He died so that we might know life, as He was placed in a grave, but His work was so perfect that the grave could not hold Him. But He ascended to the heavens, is at the right hand of the Father, and He intercedes for us. And He is the go-between. He is the one who paid the price, and He still offers life. And I pray this morning for anyone here who has not received that offer of life, who has not personally taken that gift through Jesus Christ, that this be the time. May that one say, I am a sinner. I need a Savior. Lord, forgive me. I believe in your perfect work, and I want to be forgiven and made new and whole. If you prayed that prayer, if you believe that in your heart, if you honest before God, uh, guys, He promises to make you a new person in Him, part of His family. And God, we, we pray for those who may have received that gift that they might trust you, Come before your people this morning and say, uh, I'm changed, I'm new. Jesus entered my heart and I, I need you to know about it. 
and I need to be baptized to say clearly it happened. And uh, God, I, I pray that you might do that mighty work. Uh, Father, you may be calling people to the altar who are saying, you know, I've gotten trapped in the pleasures instead of the treasures, and I, I want to be free, and I, I need to come to the altar and just bow my heart and will before you, Master. Uh, Lord, bring them to the altar to pray. If there's some decision to be made publicly before your people, God, I pray you bring you bring the ones here to the front, Father, uh, that I have the joy and opportunity to, to pray with them, Lord, to share the joy of turning to you with them, God, and to share that joy with your people. God, I just want you to work, that's all. And so, Lord, may you do that, and we'll trust you as we stand and sing and as we obey. In your name we pray, amen.